As you watch this teaching, please subscribe, like, and comment so more people can see this message. Welcome to Home Group. My name is Rick Brenner. This is Tuesday night. Well, you guys ready to return to the Bible? Ready. Ready. We're talking about the baptism of the Holy Spirit. And last night we saw that even Jesus received the baptism in the Holy Spirit. We read about it in Matthew, Mark, and Luke. And tonight we're going to return to Luke chapter 4, and we're going to begin in verse 15. And the Bible says, after Jesus received the baptism in the Holy Spirit, Luke 4, 15, he returned in the power of the Spirit into Galilee, and there went out a fame of him throughout all the region round about. Well, the word power that is used there is the Greek word dunamis. And guess what, guys? That's the same word used in Acts 1, verse 8, to describe what happens to us when we're filled with the Holy Spirit, the word power, the word dunamis, which is the old Greek word to describe the full might of an advancing army. It is also the Greek word which describes a force of nature, like a hurricane, a tornado, a storm, an earthquake. And it really means... When Jesus received the baptism of the Holy Spirit, he became like a force of nature. He became like a single man army, the full power of God advancing through him to drive back the powers of darkness. And the Bible says that power worked through him so mightily that a fame of him went throughout all the region round about. And guess what the word fame is? It's the Greek word for the year. Mm. which means so much power was operating through Jesus, ears begin buzzing with information. Have you heard? Have you seen? Have you heard? Have you heard what's happening here? Did you hear what's happening? Everywhere he goes, things begin to happen. There was such a power that began to operate through Jesus, and that is the same power which operates through any believer that has received the baptism in the Holy Spirit. If you've never received it, you can receive it tonight. Well, Just call us. We'll call you back. Acts 1.8, Mark 15, uh, 16, 16, 15. And then Peter says, I greet you, those who have received like, like faith. Like faith. So over and over we see that the same thing that happened to Jesus, the same thing that happened to the apostles, is the same thing that we can experience today. Amen. It's wonderful. And when you come to Luke 4, verse 16 and 18... The Bible tells us what Jesus was empowered to do and what we are empowered to do. What happened to him is what happened to us. And Luke 4, verse 16 and 18 says, And he came to Nazareth where he had been brought up, and as his custom was, he went into the synagogue on the Sabbath. Can I just say something about that? Jesus went to church every week. You need to go to church every week. The Bible says it was his custom, as his custom was. Jesus regularly attended fellowship. He went into the synagogue on the Sabbath day and stood up for to read, and there was delivered unto him the book of the prophet Isaiah. Now listen to this. And when he'd opened the book, he found the place where it is written, The Spirit of the Lord is upon me, because he hath anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor, he sent me to heal the brokenhearted, to preach deliverance to the captives, recovering of sight to the blind, to set at liberty them that are bruised, to preach the acceptable year of the Lord. But notice that the very first, verse 18, it says, The Spirit of the Lord is upon me. That word upon is the Greek word epi, the same word which we saw in Matthew, Mark, and Luke when the Spirit came upon Jesus at the River Jordan, the very same word. That's what Jesus is referring to. 
It's almost like he's introducing himself and explaining to people what actually happened to him. That's exactly what he's doing. He said the Spirit of the Lord came upon him. When did that happen? At the River Jordan, when he was baptized in the Holy Spirit. And notice how he describes it. He says, the Spirit of the Lord is upon me because he has anointed me. To anointed me. What does that word anoint mean? You know, it's kind of a nebulous term. People really don't know what it means. People describe it. They say, oh, do you feel the anointing? Do you feel that? A song is sung, and they say, oh, it was so anointed. Try to explain what that means. Oh, that service was so anointed. What does that mean? I don't know what it means. It's, I could just feel something there. Well, let's talk about the word anointed. What does it mean? It's from the Greek word creo, and guess what? The word creo describes the hand. And the word anoint means to pour oil on your hand and then to turn your hand over and press the oil into somebody else. And so when you talk about the anointing, you're talking about a hands-on experience. So if a person sings a song that is anointed, you're actually saying, wow, the hand of God was really on that song. And you can feel the anointing, the presence of it. And something was being transferred. Something was being transferred. Or if you're in a service and you say, oh, the service was so anointed, you need to understand what you're saying. The hand of God was really on that service and something was transmitted to us. Something was pressed into us as a result. So when Jesus says... The Spirit of the Lord is upon me because he hath anointed me. Jesus was literally saying, when the Holy Spirit came on me at the River Jordan, and I was baptized in the Holy Spirit, God uniquely laid his hand on me in a new way. Now, this word, creo, the word anoint, didn't just mean to lay your hand on, but to massage the oil into somebody until you literally penetrated their skin and you really masseuse them or massage them until finally they were really soaked in oil. Jesus is saying, when I received the baptism of the Holy Spirit, we already know that he was full of the Spirit because the Bible tells us that in Luke chapter 4, verses 1 and 2. It says he returned full of the Holy Spirit. When God laid his hand on Jesus, Jesus received the baptism of the Holy Spirit. God really pressed the oil deep into Jesus. Now, Jesus was already the Son of God, but now he was receiving a new experience with the power of God. And Jesus goes on to say that he was anointed for the following reasons. He hath anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor. He hath sent me to heal the brokenhearted, to preach deliverance to the captives, recovering of sight to the blind, to set at liberty them that are Bruise. Let's begin with number one, to preach the gospel. The word preach, guys, is the word evangelize, to evangelize. You say, well, what does that word evangelize really mean? Somebody says, well, it means to preach good news, and it, it does mean that. It means good news. But guess where we find the oldest example of that word in all of history? The oldest example that can be found of that word evangelize was found on the tombstone of a medium. Well, what is a medium? A medium is? Someone that speaks on behalf of the spiritual world. Of the spiritual world, or a channel. Today they're called channelers. They're no longer called mediums. Mm -hmm. And, of course, we're talking about something very sinister and very evil. 
a channel is a channel for the spirit realm. When Jesus says he has anointed me to preach, Jesus was literally saying, when I received the baptism of the Holy Spirit, I became a channel for the power of God. And that's what happens when you receive the power of God in the baptism of the Holy Spirit. You literally become a clear channel through which the power of God begins to flow. And notice Jesus, first of all, said to preach the gospel to the poor. The poor. When the power of God shows up in your life, it will begin to change the financial circumstances of those that are around you. Isn't that amazing? You know, years ago when we built our big building in Riga, we purchased a piece of land in the very poorest section of Riga. The very poorest section. Nobody wanted that land. Nobody wanted to be in that area. And then we, a charismatic church, a full gospel, full of the Holy Ghost church, bought that land, and we moved into that area, and we began to preach. Do you know what that area is today? It's beautiful. It is beautiful. The economic conditions in that area totally changed. There's malls. Our building that we built that was in the middle of nowhere today is in the middle of everything. Everybody built all around our property. The power of God literally changed the economic status of that region. And when we began to do the same thing in Moscow, we bought our building, which was really in an area that nobody wanted. The whole area is now beginning to change. You know why? That's what the power of God does. It changes the economic status of those that are around you. And Jesus knew that when the anointing began to flow through him, it would begin to change the financial status of people that he came in contact with. Isn't that amazing? It's so, it's so powerful. I, I was in another country not long ago, and they're so poor. I've never seen such poverty. Just dirt streets, nobody on the streets, nobody had a job. It was, it was just awful. And I said, I was talking to the people who are ministering those people, and they said, we can give these people food, and, and they do. They said, but it's the gospel that they need. Because if you give them the food, they're going to eat it. But if they get the gospel, it's going to change the inside of them. And really, Rick, that's the first time I truly understood. Because it's the first thing Jesus said. Saint, first thing he said. To preach the gospel to the poor. It's the gospel that breaks poverty. It, it, it's not social programs. It's the gospel that breaks. And the power of the Holy Spirit. And you know, Jesus knew if he got around people that were poor, and by the way, the word poor here, the word pitokas describes abject poverty. He knew if he would just get around them, curses would be broken off of them, their economic conditions would begin to change. And I really believe with all my heart, and I've declared for years, that I carry the power of God. And if I get around people that are financially destitute, my very presence around them will begin to do something in their lives. Their finances will get better. Not because of me, but because God's created us to be a channel of divine power that changes everything, including people's economic status. I totally believe that. Mm -hmm. I have seen in, in stores, I go in a store, and there's nobody in the store. And then I'm in the store for a while, and then all of a sudden, here comes all these customers into the store. And I know it's the power of God. Well, how about the local restaurant near our house here in Moscow? I came into the restaurant one day, and you know, the director of the restaurant came to me and said, 
so glad you're here. We are so glad you're here. And I said, why? They said, because we have noticed that on the days that you come to this restaurant, we are filled with clients all day long. On the days that you don't come, we don't have anything to do. But if you come, it's a sign we're going to make a lot of money. You know what? That's the anointing. Absolutely. Joel? I'm thinking about many examples in the Bible. When God would bless a person's employer because that Christian, that believer, that's a truth, was working there. Oh. And I think it's the truth. God will bless your company just to get you blessed. It's the truth. He really will, but you have to believe. Yes. You have to believe for it. But Jesus went on to say he was anointed to heal the brokenhearted. But I want to say something about these categories. Okay. Almost all of these categories seem like permanent statuses. The, the poor, the brokenhearted, the captives, the blind, uh, to set... Uh, to set uh, liberty them that oh, are liberty that are bruised or oppressed. It seems that all of these categories are social fixtures, things that don't change. You can't move from one category to the next. Now, moving from one social category, one economic position, uh, possibility to the next, that's a pretty new idea like relatively new. At Je during Jesus' time, if you were poor, if your family was poor, you were always going to poor. Your children were going to be poor. Mm. It was a fixed situation. And in many countries today, there's still that mindset. If you're rich, you're going to be rich forever. If you're poor, you're going to be poor forever. If you're sick, you will be sick forever. There's no changing these certain, these fixed fixtures in society. But it seems like all of these things Jesus are talking about, he's saying, this can all change. Amen. Yeah. That's what the anointing of God does. Amen. And Jesus was anointed to bring these changes into people's life. The baptism in the Holy Spirit is not just for us to have an experience. We are to become a supernatural force of nature to bring change into people's lives. Amen. And Jesus said to heal the broken heart. Broken heart, the Greek word soon tribo. Guess what it is? That is the word that was used to describe using your feet to smash grapes. It was the same word used to describe the crushing of bones into dust. Jesus was literally depicting people that had been walked on by others and who felt they'd been crushed by others or smashed to pieces by life or by relationships. You know, people who feel like that feel like they'll never be changed. But Jesus came to heal them. And even the word heal is important. This is not the word for a miracle. It's the Greek word eaomai, which means to cure which means Jesus will release a power that will work in you and progressively work in you and work in you and work in you and work in you and work in you until finally you're restored to wholeness. It'll start and it will continue until you are totally restored from those smashed places of life. It's amazing. Then it says, he came to preach deliverance to the captives. Mm. The word deliverance is the Greek word ephiami from the word ephesus which means to release, to permanently dismiss, to set free, to let loose. The word captives is very important because, guys, this is the Greek word, which means to take someone captive with a spear put in their back. Well, if you put a spear in somebody's back, you can point them in any direction you want to point them in. They are your captive. They have to obey you. And whatever you point, whichever direction you point, they're going to move however you point them. And what you have here really is a picture that are manipulated by a bad relationship that just pushes them around. 
by a bad relationship that just pushes them around, by some kind of a habit, even drugs. They've got something in their back that's driving them and just pushing them around. But the anointing that was on Jesus was so strong, and the same anointing is upon us, that people that have been bound by bad relationships, bad habits, drugs, alcohol, any kind of addiction, even a bad self-image, Jesus came to give them permanent release from those things. This is the ultimate rehabilitation. It's freedom. It's not even just rehabilitation. It is freedom from whatever is in your back. Amen. Uh, Just last week, um, I was online and uh, praying for people, and I started speaking about guilt, and that that was from the devil, and that he's a liar. And this woman called in, and her mother died. And for six months, she felt guilty for her mother's death. It was bringing her down and bringing her down and bringing her down. And it was just like that, that sword you were talking about, Rick. I mean, that was pushing her around. And while we were, while I was online, the Holy Spirit came over her and he brought comfort to her heart for the first time. And she's free from that guilt. That's the power of the Holy Spirit. That's the power of the Holy Spirit. Then it goes on and Jesus is recovering the sight to the blind. Hold on, hold on, hold on. It was believed at the ministry, at the time of Jesus' ministry, that the blind could not be healed. That was the greatest miracle of all. But there's something else here. The word blind that is used here doesn't just depict a person that's unable to see. It's the word tuflos. It describes a person who has been intentionally blinded by somebody else. They don't even have eyes. They don't have eyes to see. And this verse says, recovering of sight, recovering is anablepsis. It means to return one sight, the restoration of sight, to give one the ability to see again. When Jesus says the recovering of sight to the blind, it doesn't just mean healing physical eyes. It means giving eyes to those who have no eyes to see. Mm. Wow. So, for example, if you're around an unbeliever who just can't seem to see the need for the gospel, Well, you're anointed with the power of the Holy Spirit. When you get around them, there's a power in you so strong, the very presence of God on you will create eyes in that unbeliever. So they will begin to see what they could not see. Isn't that amazing? Wow. That is amazing. Then it says to set at liberty them that are bruised. Set at liberty, again, is a Greek word, ephesus, ephiami which means permanent dismissal. This is not just a cure or a bandage. We're talking about something permanent, a permanent release, a permanent dismissal to set free from the detrimental effects of a shattered life, brokenness. We know that because of the word bruised. The word bruised is a Greek word that means, listen, to crush or to break down. It depicts a person that has been shattered or fractured by life. It denotes those whose lives have been continually split up and fragmented. And really, this is talking about people that have been affected by broken and fractured families and relationships. But when you have the anointing of God that you've received in the baptism of the Holy Spirit, you have a power in you so real, so powerful, 
it will begin to heal people that have been fractured by families, fractured by relationships, shattered, until they are permanently released from the effects of it. Not just a bandage, not just getting better, permanently released from it. That's part of what comes to us in the baptism of the Holy Spirit. This power is not just so we can say we have something. It's to help others. It's to help others. But and then Jesus said, just a minute, yeah. I wanted to add something, Rick. I believe that power is in us when we're bruised, when we're broken, when we're brokenhearted, when we're smashed, that the power of God is in us. It's the baptism in the Holy Spirit. The power of God is in us to heal us. Oh, it heals us and it heals others. Yes. But Jesus goes on to say to preach the acceptable year of the Lord. What does that word acceptable mean? It's the word dektas. The word dektas means favorable, accepted, a favorable time to receive. Jesus was literally saying, hey guys, when I show up, that is your moment to receive. Well, think about it. When Jesus showed up, everything changed. When he showed up, it was a favorable moment. Why? Because the Spirit of the Lord was upon him. God pressed an anointing into him that would do all of these amazing things. It was the moment to receive when he showed up. It was good news for the poor. It was good news for the brokenhearted. It was good news for those that are some kind of emotional or habitual habits, captives. It was good news for those that were blind and those that had no eyes to see because his power was going to give them eyes to see. It was good news for those that were bruised and fractured by family and relationships. Jesus says, when I show up, it is your moment. Dict us. It is your moment to receive. Amen. And, it, and there, well, you, most of what you've been talking about now is who Jesus does this for. But you've, you've said a few things that I've never really thought about very much. What is he doing? He became a channel. He became the preacher, the one that came to speak on behalf of and share the good news. He became the healer. He became the cure. And just like Jesus was those things, we are those things too. I, tr I truly believe that when I show up, people's lives are going to change. I truly believe that. Not because of me. It's because of what operates in me. Amen. People's economic status Amen. will change. When I show up, people are going to start to feel better. People say, oh, you just think you're lucky. It doesn't have anything to do with being lucky. It has to do with the baptism of the Holy Spirit. Jesus said the same thing. The Spirit of the Lord is upon me. And notice he says, because. Mm -hmm. It didn't just come upon him. It came because. There was a purpose. The power comes to flow through us. We're to be a channel to change everything around us. So when we talk about the baptism of the Holy Spirit, Selfishly, you need it because it'll change you. It'll give you the ability to speak to God in a new language. But beyond that, it'll change everybody around you. Your family will change. Your environment will change. Your neighborhood will change. Your workplace will change. Everything will change. You'll become a channel for the power of God to flow into all these different spheres. And like Paul said, things that seem to be fixed, they won't be fixed. They won't be fixed anymore. And if God wanted this to be for you only, then he could have done this for you only without, even without the infilling of the Holy Spirit. He could have given you what you need without the infilling of the Holy Spirit. That's true. But with the infilling of the Holy Spirit, he gave you what you need, but he also made you an instrument 
to share, to influence other people. You know, this has been good, but we're out of time. I've really enjoyed tonight. But if you need prayer, please call us, 1-800-742-5593. Or send us an email. As soon as we hear from you, we're going to pray for you, and we will call you back. But if you want the baptism of the Holy Spirit, contact us. We'll pray with you to receive the baptism of the Holy Spirit, and we'll see you again tomorrow night. Bye-bye. If you enjoyed that teaching, please like, subscribe, and comment so more people can see it. Thank you.